Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alfstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers here to talk Seahawks football. Uh, got a ton to talk about. Uh, draft weekend is over. We're in the middle of the week now after uh, that has concluded, and we've had some time to uh, sit back and take a look at the, uh, the draft picks and uh, how we feel about those. We're taking a look as well as all of the undrafted rookie free agents coming in. There's at least 22. There may be 23 now at this point. Get our roster up to the 90-man threshold before we head into minicamp. So we're going to talk about all that, who our favorite players are, who we think might stand out a little bit, maybe has a chance to make the back end of the roster. Welcome in, Keith. Yeah, so um, I'm sitting here uh, while we're getting ready to you know, record and all this, and I'm just going through all the the all the names guys I, I, uh, that didn't get drafted that Seattle may or may not have, um, drafted. And I'm like, wow, these are guys you and I talked about that we scouted. Um, and there's, Oh, there's another one. Oh yeah. There's another one. There's another (laughs) one. And I'm like, you and I don't, at least for me, I don't tend to get so far down into, you know, you, you get 200 players, but Mm -hmm. most of those 200 players get drafted. You get one or two that don't, um, but I'm looking at a lot of guys that didn't, that we did. I don't know how many players you and I, um, scouted this year, but clearly it was more than normal because there's a lot of guys that went undrafted that I know. Yeah. I probably went 250 deep. I'll be completely honest. By the time I was uh, getting close to draft weekend, 
I had looked at so many players and took notes. You know, I've got notebooks filled with handwritten notes as well as uh, notes I've taken in, in Word documents and saved all those. I mean, it just is crazy. But undrafted-wise, uh, yeah, there was a lot of names out there. Um, and, and Seattle grabbed a, a couple of them that I, that I knew about ahead of time. There's a lot of names on there that I'm unfamiliar with, but I did some research on uh, after the draft on those players, and, and so we can talk about those. But I want to first, before we kind of get into the weeds on undrafted guys that may not likely see this roster, and most of them won't, um, let's talk about the guys that will. And um, I just wanted to kind of briefly go go through the draft class with you and see if you've got kind of any updated ideas or feelings about how you think it, it all comes together as a, as a whole roster and so forth. And let's start right at the top with Witherspoon, Keith. Well, I think, um, you know, right after the first round when you and I recorded and I was kind of just annoyed, um, not at Witherspoon or, you know, Smith and Najigba, um, because they're both fantastic players, but just that there were opportunities for Seattle to actually get better at positions where they desperately need to, and they chose not to. Um, now, after sitting back, I'm like, you know what? This was actually not a good draft class overall. Um, not the Seahawks, but I mean everybody. Um, the talent coming in this year, just it wasn't up to the same level as we've seen the last few. And so to go in and make sure that you get the best receiver in a draft class because it's a weak receiver class overall um you have to you know got to get the best one if you're going to get one that's going to truly be a difference maker they did that um and to go get a cornerback that you think can be generational um and be uh just an act uh, you know, an absolute like cornerstone of your franchise for the next 10 years um even if you didn't need a corner Corners like that, the ones that are that good, are, they, they don't come around that often. Um, and, and the idea that you're going to find a Richard Sherman or Tariq Woolen in the fifth round um, whenever you need one is kind of absurd. And so at some point, if you want one that's that quality, you got to you got to draft the best one available. And they did that. And um, now they've got two. This is like they are starting to really think about re- building the legion of boom not i mean it's not the same it won't be the same it will never it'll never be the legion of boom but it'll be something different and maybe just as good um with these two young kids and they recognized that wow when this team won a super bowl it was led by a defense and it was led by a defense that had three all pros in the secondary and yeah they've tried they've now like um, essentially matched that. Yeah, no, I think um, that we're awfully close. I, I really do. I mean, you take a look at, at free agency. We brought in Julian Love. We already had Quandre Diggs. Jamal Adams may or may not play if he plays, and, he, and he's healthy all year. And then you add that to, to Woolen and now Witherspoon. That's that's a significant uh, defensive backfield yeah. for the Seahawks. Uh, let's just say Jamal Adams doesn't come back. That's still uh, potentially... Uh, yeah, two or or three Pro Bowl players in that in that backfield, and um, you know I agree with you. You know the the, the one thing that I mentioned we were on uh, Dan Vian's uh, show uh, yesterday, uh, Seahawks Forever podcast, and I I said right at the top, you know, free agency is for addressing needs, while the draft is for adding talent, and if you're going to be mad at Schneider 
uh, <clears throat> for drafting, you know, in any particular order or for need or for best player available, whatnot. I think it's it's generally more blaming him for uh, free agency uh, mm-hmm. and maybe holes that they weren't able to address uh, because of cap constraints and, and other things. It just kind of is the way it happened. Um, you know, when you take a look at the um, the, the plan in 2022 and, and transitioning into 2023, they, they really weren't expecting Geno Smith to be the quarterback this year. They hadn't budgeted for it. Um, and, and it kind of showed so that they had to go create cap to, to do that. And I thought they did a great job in, in constructing that contract in a way that was still allowing the team to go out and do some things in free agency. I just don't know that they, they, they had planned to have a little bit more money, I think, to, to work with. And I think they fell a couple of positions short of getting what they really needed out of the free agency prior to heading into the draft. Yeah, uh, if you look tell at... that they were short on, um, you know, filling needs prior to the draft. So they went mm-hmm. into the draft having needs at key positions that we struggled with last year, not addressed yet. Defensive tackle, yeah. defensive line, obviously interior offensive line. You kind of want to have those things taken care of. They did in a, in a peripheral sense, but not really at defensive tackle. And so you go into the draft, you got Jalen Carter sitting there. We've been talking about Jalen Carter and, and company now for three, four months prior to the draft. And turns out he was completely off their draft board and, and the draft just fell in a certain way. And, mm-hmm. and in that respect, I think they did a great job pivoting, getting best players available. You'd mentioned the fact that they, uh, the, their cornerback room is now elite. Their wide receiver room is approaching that as well. And what more could you ask for coming out of, out of the first round? Yeah, I mean, if they get anything out of Eskridge, and if Tariq Young develops, they go from having two receivers, um, you know, that are worth snaps on the field um, by a good team to having five. Um, and even if those two things don't happen, you've still got three. Um, that's how that that's what the wide receiver um, room just became because you're no longer expecting those two what ifs to suddenly play big a big role. Now they can be a a smaller role, and if it works out, great. And if it doesn't, it's such a small role; it doesn't hurt them that much. Um, so the the whole wide receiver pickup I like, and then um, you know with the cornerback, and I get uh, Jalen Carter is such a fantastic pros, uh, pro prospect when you look at his tape and you see him; it's so enticing. But his off field stuff is so terrible; it's yeah. just and at some and point it, it becomes even more pronounced. Keith, when you take a look at the kind of guys we did draft, the mm-hmm. grittiness, the toughness, the strong, work hard guys, the physical, the leaders of, of men on their own teams, the passion and the love for football, that was always going to be the way that they were going to do this. You know, we should have, we, we, we looked at that draft last year and we thought, wow, this is different. This is, this is kind of cool. Will they do it again? Well, we're not sure. Well, they, they pretty much told us they were mm-hmm. uh, leading up to the draft and their news conferences and so forth. But, um, I think this draft really solidified that, that character matters, grit matters. Uh, the, 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 the love of football and the passion for the game really is the type of players that they're looking for, even if they have to take a player that's slightly less talented. Overall, the roster's better. Yeah, and I think that that's really what the Jalen Carter thing pointed out, because there wasn't a better prospect in this draft. 
just period, as far as physical talents and domination at the college level, there was not a better prospect in this draft. And they passed on him because the off-field stuff was just too much for them. And instead of doing that, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna take him. Who's the next best defensive tackle? Don't they, they didn't reach for that just because okay, we're not gonna take Carter. Who's the next one? And go reach for a player because doing that, what that tells you, which is what they've done in the past, how we end up with LJ Collier, um, they would have drafted Kalijah Kansi at five. Because, oh, we're not going to take Carter. We're going to take the best defensive tackle. That's the guy. Um, he went 19. Like that wasn't, that wouldn't have been a good, uh, a, a good pick either. Um, but to go get Witherspoon and say, you know what? Screw need. Screw like this whole, like, we're going to draft, you know, um, the best player available at the position that we need them to be. We're just going to go get the best player. Um, And now they've got Witherspoon. Um, And honestly, now they've got tradable assets between the other three guys. Yeah. One of one of the other three corners, not Woolen and not um, Witherspoon, but the other guys that was in an already Brown, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, the um, which was already a deep room. Now that's a tradable asset. You need you need a defensive lineman. You need a young defensive lineman. Um, go find a team that needs a cornerback. That is possible. And, and we'll be like, you know what? Um, but it's here's a long Mike Jackson, too, or here's so I, or here's Trey Brown. Um, yeah. It's and, a long season. I mean, you can have injuries, so you kind of like to have a stacked room when you when you can. But at the same time, our whole uh, in, in a couple other spots is so deep mm-hmm. that you 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 trade off that thing, especially when you got a guy like Julian Love uh, comes in, and he's a kind of a hybrid player, and he can play multiple positions for you. Uh, you got a guy like that, Jarek Reed, the guy they just drafted, same sort of thing. He can play in multiple positions. Kobe Bryant, Trey Brown can play inside mm-hmm. in the slot, can also play on the outside edge for you if, if you need to. So we've got a lot of options. Which is the, a great issue, great problem to have. Yeah. So okay, so let's go deeper, Keith, into the draft, into the second round, day two. Day two was going to set up to be a big day for the Seattle. Um, we had three picks, two in the second round, one in the third, and um, and with the opportunity maybe to to a slight trade back, maybe even pick up a, another pick in the top hundred, and it just didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, and you could kind of feel the disappointment after that uh second round was over we got into the third round we completely traded out of it let's talk about that a little bit yeah i mean the the second round is it just didn't work out i mean when you go and you don't get the the positions that you're absolutely looking for in um in round you know in round one when you've got two picks and you're like okay we can make it up in on day two of the draft and and maybe they're not the elite players, the elite prospects like Jalen Carter, but you're still going to get a really good player. Um, and then the the board just didn't fall in the right way. And guy like uh, Keanu Benton went right before the Seahawks um, got their second second round pick, and mm-hmm. um, and so there, you know some of that kind of stuff happened. But they went and they got Hall, who is an athletically incredibly gifted player, even if his um, even if his tape isn't great. Um, they think they can develop him and turn him into a good player, but he's also 
um, high character, a guy who did things at the college level because it helped his team win, even if it didn't fill up a stat sheet. That's exactly right, Keith. Right there. So, um, and honestly, like uh, some Seahawks fans really didn't like Bruce Irvin being his first time around with Seattle for that that same reason because he didn't fill up a stat sheet because he was being a strong side linebacker and doing things like setting an edge against um, a you know a, a against the run and forcing the runs back inside and you know the little the little details that you ask a strong side linebacker to do those don't show up on a stat sheet. Um, and you know, those are the types of things that you, you got to have guys that will do that. And Hall was, is one of those guys and he's super athletic and he does that, those kind of things. And yeah, some of his tape isn't great because you, you're like, go find me, um, you know, a dominant game where you at him as a pass rusher and you won't find one, but he wasn't rushing the passer on every down. He was even on passing downs, he was setting an edge in case they ran. He reminds me of a lot of, of uh, Uchenna Nuwasu, Keith. Um, the, the dirty work kind of guy. The guy that cleans up a little bit. Who was that guy that we had the year prior just didn't, didn't work out? He went back to San Francisco. Um, guy that just cleaned up. Hater. Hider. Kerry Hider. Kerry Hider. Kind of reminds me of a player like that. A good good teammate, good player, good good leader in the locker room. Comes in, does his job, doesn't fill up the stat sheet, um, but but has opportunities um to be able to either affect plays on his own or he makes players around him better and Mm -hmm. also has opportunities to kind of clean up plays get uh to the quarterback after he's been chased out of the pocket um clean up you know in in the run game a guy you know is running running into him or he forces a play inside like you like you said and he allows bobby wagner to make that tackle um you need guys like that and Mm -hmm. I don't mind that pick there. I mean, when you take a look at it, at 52, Joe Tipman may have been on Seattle's roster. He went to the Jets at 43. Cody Mock to the Buccaneers at 48. Keanu Benton, you mentioned, to the 49ers at 49. I guarantee they were looking at him. You know, They were looking at all three of those guys at 52. Um, I wish that they'd look. And and John Schneider uh, talked about the disappointments um, in this draft. I and just wish that they looked at it. those guys at um, 37 because Joe Tittman would look real nice in a Seahawk uh, uniform and he would make me feel a lot better about the offensive line next year. Um, and not just next year, but the next 10, if they had gone that route instead of Hall. Um, and I yeah. get, get I mean, it, it's a position of, it, it's much like cornerback. They're pretty deep there. They've got guys, and they've got good talent, Nawasu and Taylor and Robinson and and Mafe, and they've got a lot of guys at that position. They're deep. They're talented. They didn't really need another high-investment guy like Hall. Um, But they chose him. Yeah, but they chose, and they chose him first. So what does that tell you about him and about the process that that Schneider and, and Carroll went through? if he's their guy like what what was it a, because that's a very valuable selection in the draft yeah he must, I mean, um and, and he's not showing up on stats he's not showing up like that he must bring a lot other of other intangibles to, to the to the game yes and also you got to look at the guys that that were drafted just before him 
right? Because um, Snyder kept talking about, you know, the disappointments and the upsets is what he called them. The guys that, that got pulled just before the Seahawks pick. Do you think and that he may have been talking about Will Levis going to Tennessee at 33? He might have been. Um, because it's like, okay, we weren't really expecting him to be available, but if he's available at 37, we could get our quarterback of the future and not have used a first round pick. Like how awesome would that be? Um, and so yeah, you yeah, that's, that's just what happens. And then you end up not getting, um, you know, the guy that you're looking for. I think it was more along the lines of, um, Nolan Smith who went 30th, um, you know, and the Brian Breesey who went 29th. Yeah. Um, these are guys, Mozzie Smith who went 26th. These are the guys that they were hoping at least one of them would fall to them at 37 and they didn't. Yes, correct. And everyone else in the, in the, in the draft world was all, was thinking, uh, Adia Bar, uh, Barwe, uh, was, was a guy that everyone was interested in. He ended up going at 110 to the Colts. Mm-hmm. Um, adi, adi. In, in the, yep. in the fourth round and there was another guy that we thought that was going to be available they passed on him they went they went here uh in this direction with hall now hall's a fine player steve, I steve at, avila is might yeah. might have been the guy too um who's picked one spot before seattle by the rams guard he's gonna play center yeah yep guard a guard center out of tcu that might have been the guy Very well could be because you know what they 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 chose a guy in um in in the center from Michigan who's who's virtually physically profiles like Steve Avila just a little smaller but similar in size as far as uh, height and yeah, not as arm good. arm reach all that kind of stuff but yeah interesting all right so talk to me about the Charbonneau pick uh, everyone seems to pan this because you know it's a, it's a running it's back. a running it's back the second round but let's talk about the impact that he's going to have on the roster. It's going to be huge. Um, and it's, they've got, um, you know, they've got Walker and they've got DJ Dallas and they had literally nothing else on the roster. There was no other running back. Um, and what we've seen the last few years is you can't have one back. It doesn't work. Um, Marshawn Lynch, it worked for a few years. And then there was the year when he got hurt and it, it didn't work. And then after that, they have had a lot of injuries at running back. If you're going to pound the rock the way the Seahawks want to, you have to have multiple bodies that can do it. Um, and getting Charbonnet, who's such a perfect fit schematically for what Seattle wants to do and what they like in a running back and his ability to, to um, run between the tackles, make guys miss between the tackles and finish runs. Um, is exactly what Seattle was looking for and needs. And now they've got that one-two punch. They've got Charbonnet, who is more of the power back, who can run people over. And you've got Walker, who's the speed back that can just run away from guys. Um, it's a great, you know, um, setup. And if one of them gets hurt at some point during the season and has to miss a couple of games, you know the other one can be the bell cow for a couple of games yeah. and and just and just carry the load. They're that good. So um I think overall, like People hate running backs. They hate drafting running backs. And they're just like, oh, it's never worth it and whatever. Um, I don't completely agree with that because we've seen with the Seattle team what it looks like when they don't have a running back. We've seen Absolutely. that. Um, it's not pretty. 
<laughs> and so getting a guy like Charbonnet with a guy like Walker, now you've got two guys. If one of them gets hurt, you've still got a guy that you can run your offense and just grind the football when it's time to. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, not to jump the gun on, on, on the draft, but they drafted a kid at uh, 237 overall um, in Kenny McIntosh that the team is really high on. Thought he was going to mm-hmm. be a, kind of a fourth-round guy. You know, it was interesting as, as far as an overall approach in this draft. The Seahawks, you could tell they were going to come out of this draft with at least one, if not two, running backs. Um, that was the mentality going in. It was just a matter of where were Man. they going to find them, you know, yep. and uh, with with their guys coming off the board uh, like they were at 52 overall, um, you know, with Joe Chipman off the board, Cody Mock, Keanu Benton, uh, they decided to go get their running back right then as opposed to waiting. You know, a guy like Rashawn Johnson went went a lot later, but they didn't want to depend on the draft falling their way to get the, the, their guy and then have to yeah. reach for somebody. They just went and just got the guy that they really preferred, uh, the number one running back, I think, on their board, other than B. John Robinson. Yeah, and, and that's um, he mo- most outly was the the number two running back on their board. Um, I know that um, another guy, Gibbs, went in uh, mm-hmm. the first round at, at pick 12, um, but he's not – he's super talented. I freaking love that, that player. Um, but he's not a fit for what Seattle wants. They've got that guy on the roster. He's Walker. They needed a bigger guy. They needed a, a, a run between the tackles, short yardage, but a, more than that. You know what I mean? Like not just a short mm-hmm. yardage guy, but a guy that can step in. Yeah. Yeah. That can stay. They needed a guy that can run between the tackles um, a little bit better. And they were, this is a gonna team that's going to run the ball a lot. They're not going to be the team that's going to, um, that's looking for that um, Swiss army knife that can line up in the slot and all those things. Uh, which is what Gibbs was. So on in on their board, I I am willing to bet that um, Charbonnet was the number two back. So you know at this point you're looking at at Seattle getting the, the number one cornerback, the number one receiver, and the number two running back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, and I I do also think that Keanu Benton, who went 49, and Cody Mock, who went at 48. Um, and maybe even Brian Branch, who went at 45, were guys that this team had targeted, and they just came off the board. Um, the other thing about that pick that I think some people are r- frustrated about, and the reason why it's a running back, we can pan that, it, that's socially acceptable to hate on, hate on running back draft picks. Um, but it was also John Michael Schmitz, who went at 57, Osiris Torrance, who went at 59, Um you know, uh, those guys are guys that we're still we'd all feel better about yeah, the draft right. if they'd gone in that direction and solidified the right. offensive line with, well, with, with high-end talent. Let's talk about that, Keith. So in the third round, they just completely booted the the, the, the round and opted to trade out and uh, pick up a fourth-round pick and a future uh, Denver's uh, future third-round pick in 2024. Talk to me about that, and then talk to me about the direction the team went uh, starting in the fourth, the, the the fourth round there, pick one hundred and eight, um, in the next four picks. Well, the the trade um, to to just punt on um, pick eighty three and drop all the way back into the fourth round um, had a lot to do with who was available at the time. There's a lot of guys that already got their running backs. They didn't need a, a tank big Z. Um, I think they weren't 
Um, they weren't sold on a Marvian overshone um, mm-hmm. at linebacker or a Broderick Martin at defensive tackle. Um, and again, you know, Zach Perk- uh, Pickens, Sidney Brown, who they, I think they were looking at, Byron Young, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, all went prior to that, that yeah. selection. Um, and so I think what they were looking at is um, a situation where, okay, are you going to go after Michael Wilson where we got a, got a receiver kind of, that doesn't really matter that much. Um, or a Siaka Ika um, who went 98. Like there, there are certain guys that I think they would, they definitely would have considered there, but they're like, there's possibility they'll drop into pick one Oh five. Let's go ahead and um, the value they got in the trade. I think. Yeah. The scales. Let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and move down. But the fact that Denver was able to give up a third round pick next year, so they gave up, um, you know, they gave up the 83rd pick and they got a pick from Denver, which will be somewhere around 80 to 85 next yeah. year. Um, so they got a, they got roughly the same a pick um, just a year later. They got a fourth round pick this year. And next year's draft class appears to be bigger, like better and deeper than this year's draft class. So that yeah. pick in the eighties next year is actually more valuable than the pick in the eighties this year. Um, so that made a lot of sense. And I, like I said, I just, you look at the number of the, the, the guys that were picked after um, and you're like, God, there's a lot of, they're okay. They're, I just mm-hmm. don't think they're um, really, there's guys that probably have fourth round grades. A lot of these guys that I'm looking at, who got drafted um, in that range or guys that I would have had with fourth, fourth round grades. Um, and you're picking them in the third round. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go ahead and back, go ahead and move back and take a guy w- with a fourth round grade actually in the fourth round and get that extra pick because that extra pick is super valuable next year. It is next year. Okay. So at 108, they went and, and stuck with, uh, with the pick and, and Bradford, I think it was their guy. They, they, they were in love with and, and was really happy that he fell to them there. He thought uh, John Schneider thought he was a, uh, had a third round grade on him and uh, yeah. would have taken him earlier. Um, so talk to me about the trenches now. So this was the big concern coming in and uh, these next four picks, including Bradford being the first one off the board there, there was a run uh, of uh, guards, you know, after this pick uh, there was also, you know, just overall in general uh, interior offensive linemen start to come off the board and Seattle grabbed four of them essentially. If you count Mike Morris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Bradford is. This is not a sexy pick. And it's a guy that a lot of, you know, you and I did. I, I know I looked at and scouted, but we never really got around mm-hmm. to talking about him because it just never fell right in any of my mock drafts for him to be a pick. Um, but he was definitely on my radar as a guy who is uh, just an absolute road grader as a, as a guard. He just will take defensive tackles and, push them backwards so you know that seattle is going to be interested in that i mean it's a pete carroll team um so i mean yeah, he, there's it's, nothing it's a good fit. about that guy yeah yeah and, but there's there's also like he's a fourth round pick he might not start right away because may they may want him to work on um certain things in pass protection before he gets on the field and and that kind of stuff so um there, there's partly that and i think that's part of the disappointment with the draft with some people is that they didn't address this earlier, but they really drafted a Seahawk. 
um, with that pick. I actually really like that pick. I really um, like that pick. Too. And when we were on I Dan's fact, show yesterday, that, that was my favorite in. pick. He um, comes in, Keith, I believe, and takes that starting job. You think he really takes it away from Phil Haynes? I, I do. I think Phil Haynes is, is a quality guy, but he's get, he's susceptible to nicks and cuts and scrapes and bruises. And He's, and time he's missed a lot of time in his career. Um, there's also that um, guy you already mentioned, Ade Ade, was pick, taken two picks later. And I think just that defensive tackle that people were like, oh, God, we mm. could have had another defense. We could have had a defensive lineman that would have mattered yeah. um, there. Uh, but honestly, they got an offensive lineman. And they got an offensive lineman who will play this year, um, I believe, and play significant time. Um, so, you yeah. know what? And, and both I of think our it's guards are under contract just for this season. You know, yeah, and uh, so that's a nice edge towards as we look towards the future for 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 sure. Okay, so at one twenty three, uh, they went with Cameron Young, defensive tackle out of Mississippi State. Now this is a player. Uh, if you looked at all the big boards, uh, you constantly wanted to mock him uh, at at the back end of the sixth round or early seventh round. Why did he? <laughs> he was uh, his, never going to go there. Profile. He yeah. was never going to go that late. I okay, know that so, the. So what was it about him that that made this pick and and the value at this spot match up? Well, the reason why you saw that in 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 mock drafts and that kind of stuff is because when you get far enough down into these draft classes, there's not a lot. There's not as much uh, scouting by the media. I mean, there's like the, there's the pros that 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 get into it and and know, knew Cameron Young really well. But a lot of the guys that that do this kind of stuff that end up having an impact on the you know consensus big board are guys that that you know scout 150 players and then they kind of guess beyond that because of uh, well it's Mississippi State we know about that defense we look at his measurables we go oh let's put him at 180. He's not a 180 guy. He's a guy that I mean he he's not going to come in and and start right away. Um, and that's okay. Be, but what he is, is he's a guy that, um, is going to be asked to put on weight, um, and become a nose tackle over time. Yeah. Um, if he was Pete to start Carroll right now, he'd be a three guys in the draft because he is, he's stronger and he's got, he's, he has long arms at a, for a position of people that have unnaturally long arms. Yeah, 34 like, and a half inch arms and an 80, almost 84 inch wingspan. He can probably scratch his knees without bending over. Um, and that's that's a joke. I'm not, whatever. But he's got these really long, and it's so useful for a defensive tackle to keep guards off you. And I think the fact that if they, they believe that if he puts on about, you know, 20 pounds and becomes a true nose tackle, An that he could be damn good. Because that size, that weight, his, the inability of um, of offensive linemen to get in on his body, that he could actually be really dominant in the yeah. middle. Yeah. He just needs he needs some time to get there. Um, and in the meantime, I still think he's going to be a, a rotational guy. It's not like he's well, we're going to sit him on the sidelines until he gets there. Um, yeah. He just needs to work uh, himself in. Yeah, yeah. He'll he'll come in. He won't be the starter. He'll be the you know the rotational well, guy is, that comes he is in. For now he's the only guy on the roster. Um, Brian Monet is um, penciled yep. in as the starter. Coming back for Monet though, we'll see. Yeah, um, but I just think that you have um, you have an idea that he's going to come in. He's going to play significant snaps, probably like 
35, 40% of the snaps this year as he continues to, to, you know, bulk up and build up. And then next year he'll come in as the starter. Uh, I liked this pick. And I think this was one of the picks that you were kind of like, eh, because he can't, he's not going to make a huge impact this year because he's just not physically ready. Um, but I actually like this pick because I'm yeah, looking, I'm right. looking at, at 2024. Yeah. Um, more at, than at this spot in the draft, Keith, at, at 123, I don't mind the pick. Here's, here's, you know, and, and, uh, quite honestly, you know, Jim Nagy likes a lot of players. Um, <laughs> especially if they go he, to the, if they go to the senior bowl, yeah. he likes them. He and, won't and, say but he really likes Cameron Young. He likes he the, the idea of Cameron Young being successful in the NFL on the Seahawks. And he knows the Seahawks team better than most. And so, mm-hmm. um, the only reason I, I hesitated on the on the pick at all was because they're going to ask Cameron Young to be a different player than he was in college. Yeah, he but has all the physical him. attributes to do that. He's going to they want him to anchor, so they're going to. Clint Hurts already asked him to to start eating to put on the weight, um, and eventually he'll he'll build that into solid muscle weight, not just you know eating weight, and um, and eventually I think this pick works out really well. For the Seahawks, and, and you know, at this range in the draft, I don't mind guys like that. Um, it had been nice, you know. The disappointment was still palatable out of this draft, not getting some some really solid anchors in earlier rounds that come in and help your team right away uh, at a high level. I think that that there's a chance that he could, just because of the type of player that he is and the type of person he is and the hard worker and all that kind of stuff. Not going to rule him out at all, but as a as a physical. Uh, prospect and, and profile on him right now he, he's definitely gonna have to work into that role yeah so i said i think he's a rotational piece in this first year um the problem but, is Keith, we don't have anybody for him to rotate with i mean you mentioned brian monet brian monet is not expected to start the season for the season i don't know um he might he got injured pretty early last year i mean i i don't know i don't know where he's at in this thing but um and that's this is why you and i keep um, bringing up like bringing back Al Woods, I would have loved the team to bring yeah. back Puna Ford, but he signed with um, the Buffalo Bills today. Just today, which, good for Puna. You know, Puna, great for Puna. I mean, he's going to get a chance to go compete for a Super Bowl. Right. Um, but you know, the the pro, now Al Woods becomes you know option one A um, as far as having you know that starting nose tackle. Um, I, I honestly think he'll be brought in here in the next couple of days, um, and and they'll find a find a way to get him under the cap. Um, and in in town so um that will happen soon but you're right I, I, they'll have a starter he'll be the the rotational piece that'll pay play 40 percent of the snaps um get a lot of playing you know significant playing time make a significant impact learn a hell of a lot about the nfl um while he builds he gets rid of some of that food weight that he, there he's being asked to add for this year and spends you know uh nine months adding you know muscle weight and gets himself up into the you know that range but without the without just dipping fat um and then he'll be ready to come in and be great and i i i honestly i know the the consensus big boards had him in a you know a sixth round pick or um you know late five and i guess in a couple drafts he, he would go in round seven which is absurd um i had him as a third round player um and I honestly, when the Seahawks picked him, I was kind of shocked. Not that they picked him, but I don't really watch what every other team does. And I kind of just assumed he was no longer on the board. 
<laughs> if that makes sense. Um, so I, I like the pick. I really like that pick. Nice. All right. Mike Morris goes to the Seattle Seahawks at 151. Defensive end for Michigan. Love that player. Love the opportunity for him to come in and, and kind of uh, uh, figure it all out for Seattle. And then one of my favorite picks in the draft is a 154 center from Michigan, Uluwatimi. Um, Outland Trophy Award, uh, Remington uh, Award for the best center in college football. There's some things that he needs to work on. But there's mm-hmm. some great things as well. His experience, his leadership, his, 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 he's one of the smartest players uh, in the draft. And um, he's got an opportunity, really, to, to come right in and um, compete for that starting role, I think, based on those, those other things. And then he'll just have to figure out the, the physical part of the game. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things when I look at this is at first I was disappointed because um, – I know he's got all these awards and he's, he's, he's a very decorated player. Um, I just didn't really like his tape that much um, because I wanted a guy that was going to be able to be more dominant. Um, And the more I think about it, um, uh, he's a guy that honestly reminds me of um, the center they had last year um, who retired. And Austin He's Blythe. not a what? Austin Blythe. Blythe. There you go. I'm like, God, why can I not remember his name today? Um, but he is. And before we a, talked about Robbie Toback a little bit. Yeah, he's not a he's not an an elite athlete for the position. He's not big. He's not particularly strong. He just does things well, but not special. Um, and he didn't, I, he didn't allow a sack last year. You know, yeah, I know. Seven hundred plus snaps, which is which. When you go and you watch him, and you realize he gives up ground faster than he should, and sometimes he doesn't have great angles, and he has can be late um, uh, reacting to twists and stunts, um, things like that. He's not particularly good in space. If you ever have him pull, it's not pretty. Um, so there, I mean, there, that's the reason why he was why he was a fifth round pick. Um, but he's really smart. He gets the line calls right. He gets everyone set up correctly. Um, he's a captain who is the the leader, maybe not physically leader, but mentally, you know, the the leader of what was the best offensive line in college football, according to the people who vote on awards. Mm-hmm. Twice he was Four the best starter in the yeah, was programs. Two years that team won award for the best offensive line in football and he was their leader um that is and he why won the, the award for him. the best lineman yeah out of the on the best line yeah and so what it comes down to is and i i brought up robbie tobeck yesterday on that show um because that's what he reminds me of physically not he's not special but robbie tobeck was great I mean, absolutely. As a Seahawk came in, really took the entire line and made everybody better. Um, yeah, this is the kind of guy that comes in and plays for eight or 10 years, dude. I mean, he does. really, um, and, you know, he's a really experienced, smart. He knows how to take charge of the room. Guys respect him. Um, it's not going to take him long to be in this program before that happens again, because yeah. 
you know, it's he proved it over and over again. He showed up, it's, you know, he showed up he on is. Michigan after playing at Air Force, after playing, you know, somewhere else. And he comes in and he just immediately takes over and guys respect him. And, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's I like I think, the pick. He's, it's why I think the Robbie Tobeck, the Robbie Tobeck thing. Um, at the same time, um, there's a little Chris Gray in him. I know I'm talking um, 2005 for um, people out there. If you're, if you're younger and you don't remember then, or you're, you came into your Seahawk fandom since then. Cool. We're out. Love you. That glad to have you in, on board, um, you know, with the, with the twelves, but Chris Gray played three different positions for Seattle started at, at left guard center, right guard actually holds the, um, the record for the most starts of any player and the team kept trying to replace him. They kept drafting guys and he kept just finding a way to be on the field anyway and just worked his tail off and would grind it out and they just couldn't get rid of him. And he was part of that 2005 line that was easily the best offensive line in the NFL. Go ask Sean Alexander. He'll, he'll agree with that. Um, and he, this guy kind of reminds me a little of, uh, of Chris Gray. So, I mean, it's just, yeah. um, it's kind of where it is. But so between Gray, who was the right tackle and on that line and Tobek, who was the center on that same line, like there's a lot of the overlap there. And I, I'm just ready to just be like, cool, let's get him in here. Let's see what he can do. Let's give him a chance. So the pedigree that we had last year with Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, first round, third round guys, but Abe could have gone earlier. And if you had a redraft today, he'd probably go in the first round, no doubt. He would. Um, he would. And then you've got these guys, Anthony Bradford, Ulu, Uluwatami, uh, Timmy, uh, coming in at, at, at center. Um, this really does have an opportunity. And if you can re-sign Lewis or, or, or replace Lewis next year, he's under contract for one more season this season. Um, you've really got a chance for continuity here. And it's been a while since Seattle's had a a, a, a continuity offensive line where mm-hmm. four or five guys have remained uh, steady for, for longer than one contract. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see if they can pull this thing together and really kind of create the, the, the foundation for the, the team for the next, you know, four to eight years. If these two guys, the garden center, they got this year work out. And I get their later draft picks. They're a fourth and a fifth. Um, it's not the first and third um, of last year. So th- there is more, you know, worry about them not working out. But if they do, that means that the Seahawks will have gotten four starting offensive linemen in two drafts that will be ready to play for the next decade. Yeah. They've got that one, the one guard position that they need to figure out. And honestly, like, Damian Lewis was a third round pick. He's been good, battled some injuries, hasn't been necessarily as good the last couple of years as he's gotten hurt um, as he was when he was a rookie and he was great. Um, but okay. Like it's yeah. just one of those things. Well, you just, and he won't be that expensive. I think we should, you know, definitely try to resign him. And then, yeah. you know, you surround him with the, with the talent this line has and you put a mm-hmm. couple of really good running backs behind him and Geno Smith, this offense, dude, this offense is going to be top five, I think, in potentially. 2024. In 2024, sure. 
2023, it's going to be hard because you're either asking these guys to develop really quickly and we go for me. We put limits on last year's draft class, dude. I'm not putting any limits on these kids. I am. And it's not limits. It's expectations. I am not going to expect a fifth round pick to come in, win the starting center job and be. Um, All right. I may have gone a, too far in expecting that, but. I think the, the the class could be top. Oh, it, it could be five, this is, even with even if he doesn't come in and start right away. I am expecting okay. Anthony Bradford to take that job. I kind of am too. I like Phil Haynes, and honestly, Anthony Bradford is his his pro, pro comp is Phil Haynes. So like very just much the same player. Um, but I just expect Bradford to win the job because I expect him to be able to stay healthier. Haynes has kind of had that trouble his whole career. Um. And he's the younger guy. I, I if two think two guys are equal in terms of you could really put pick one or the other and put them on the field and you get the same exact result. Take the younger, cheaper guy every time. Um, and that's Bradford. So honestly, like I said, I like Haynes. I think Bradford wins that job. Have you had a chance to look at Jarek Reed at all, the safety out of New Mexico State yet? I have not. I have a tiny bit, not enough that I feel confident confident enough to go in and and just talk about a, you know, be like, oh, here's, you know, what I know about him and, and all of that. I, I just know that he's gritty and hardworking and physical and that the team loves him, kind of gushed about him as a player uh, when they did the news conference. Um, but that's all. I, I have not yet dove into any tape on him. Um, you sent me a physical uh, comparison to him. Do you remember um, who you had? No, he's kind he's of on the no. Seahawks. Love oh, the yeah, guy they yeah, yeah, the yeah, guy yeah, they yeah, signed yeah, yeah. this off yeah. season. Um, I, I do his that. height, weight, speed, agility. Um, very very similar guys. Yeah. Um, they like love. They like love enough to sign him and let um, uh, Ryan Neal go. Jer- uh, he has a chance to be you know love 2.0 yeah he'll have to beat out joey blount for the for the 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 fourth spot on the roster as a safety but we'll see and is there anyone who I other know. than joey blunt's parents that I mean, I believe like that blunt. he can't. you like joey blunt last year too i do too we'll, we'll um see. yeah but I, I honestly he's not a special player yeah no, no. so i'm like okay, not, so i'm not that special player uh, special player i think we we've gotten the last pick uh pick 237 overall kenny mcintosh running back out of georgia my goodness this is good value at this spot in the draft you're looking for best player available guy come on and be on your practice not on your practice squad but your special teams guy uh, at this spot in the draft if he makes the roster i think kenny mcintosh is definitely making the roster you go look at the running back room he's the fourth running back on the list he has a chance to be better than dj dallas in my personal opinion he's more physical he catches the ball out of the backfield more um, just an overall more well-rounded player, even than Zach Charbonnet, um, as far as just being well-rounded, being able to do all of the things and catching the ball out of the backfield is his kind of thing. But he's got enough juice where he could come in and and, and be your guy if you're, uh, you know, Ken Walker and Charbonnet were unable to go for whatever reason. I wouldn't mind Ken uh, Kenny McIntosh coming in and running the ball. He's just that good. I don't know. He's awfully small. Um, he's not that small. 
He's, he is, he's like six foot two oh eight. I thought I had him at like six six foot like one uh ninety. Um mm, nope. he's ba- basically he comes in as um Travis Homer two point oh. He's just the same yeah, kind of yep. guy in the camp. Third yes. third we'll down back, not gonna run between the tackles great, but is going to be able to attack the edges, um, leak out of the backfield, pick up the blitz, do those things to be a third down back. Um, but I don't see him carrying the ball in between the tackles at all. Um, and if anything, like I, I think you really like that pick. I there was another guy that I had kind of penciled in that I really would have loved to see them pick in that spot. Um, and when they didn't, I was kind of disappointed. And then the stupid Eagles got, got him um, as if they needed more talent. Uh, and that would be Moro Ajomo, the defensive tackle out of Texas. Um, I really mm-hmm. wish they'd gone that that way with that yeah. pick. Um, and I mean, they really could have used a, that a guy like that who's just naturally powerful in the inside and can just overwhelm people uh, physically. Honestly, I mean, that's the kind of um, kind of guy they 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 need. They they need more defensive linemen. I, I felt they needed that more than a. The third down running back when they've already got um, DJ Dallas and and Ken Walker that can do those same things but better. Yeah, you know, at that spot of the draft, you're you're looking for your guy that your number one guy on your priority uh, free agent list, your your rookie free agents, unsigned draft undrafted guys, and mm-hmm. uh, he was he was it for them. But a number of different players, Jalen Redmond was out there. Uh, a couple other defensive tackles. Uh, Clark was was out there. Gerard Obama, Clark. Gerard Clark. Yep. Um, so there was a number of different ways that Seattle could have gone, um, but I think they liked him so much and so much value sitting there that they figured they could tighten up and button up that um, that part of their uh, position group on the, on the team, and they just did. And that, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I I like running backs. Um, I'm not one of those guys that is against running backs being in the NFL. Kenny McIntosh is going to come and surprise you. I really feel I like hope so. he's going to blow you away. He's a much better cool. prospect than Homer. Um, and he's probably the equivalent of, of third year, third year DJ Dallas, as far as being able to understand what, what he needs to do to, to uh, fit in on the roster and, and his role and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and potentially, um, you know, he could return some kicks for you and stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see how, you know, if he can carve out a role, um, on the roster and be more than just, um, a special team guy and, a um, yeah, yeah, when yeah. he's active and in act, healthy scratch other games and, and that kind of thing. But if, you know, we're talking about a seventh round pick, a lot of seventh round picks don't make the roster. So, you know what? Um, um, okay, go for it. Um, they like him. I'm ready for it. Um, I, like I said, I just. I when they got there and Moro Jomo had fallen and had wasn't sniped from them just before I was like there's the guy and it wasn't and I was like what it's and then like, he went, Keith, he know, went we, a couple picks later we can talk about the the prospects and, and we have and we did for a long time you know it's, yeah, it's we interesting did. how the team views guys yep and and how they value things and stuff and and then well, there's so much selection. that you and I don't know we can watch mm. tape 
and we can read what other people write and uh, that kind of stuff. But we aren't in there in interviews. We don't know the the you know the kind of yep. things that happen and it's in the those single biggest we, factor. And we don't the have the, we don't have accurate medical um, evaluations on guys. Um, we have a lot of speculation for media members, but that's the best we can do. We don't have that access. Um, and so when they they don't take a guy I really like, like a Jomo. Okay, we're talking about seventh round picks. So I don't care that much. Um, but when they don't, I'm like, oh, and I'm disappointed. And then it's going to turn out later that he has like got a, a knee and he's only going to be able to play for a couple of years. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. well, that and, would and be one why. of the guys we did sign, you know, ended up being all world. Yeah, you I know. mean, like, okay, so Travis Homer talk- was a seventh round pick that I didn't expect to make the roster. I was like, this feels like a wasted pick. He stuck yeah. around his entire rookie. Uh, contract he was on the roster his entire four-year rookie contract and then you know now assigned elsewhere um he made an impact whether i anticipated him or not seventh round pick if you make it that far you did great yeah Um, i agree so yeah all right a couple undrafted rookie free agent guys uh coming into minicap this uh this weekend um I will start with the one guy I think maybe has the best chance to make the roster, and that's Chris Stoll, the long snapper from Penn State. <laughs> Won the 2022 <coughs> Patrick McNally Award, awarded to the nation's best college long snapper, Chris Stoll. Uh, learn the name because we uh, likely won't want to repeat it after today's show. Yeah, the the best thing you can say about any long long snapper is that he's on the roster and you don't have to ever say his name. Um, we learned that a couple of years ago with, what was his name, Freeze? Um, we said his name oh, way too much gosh, and yeah. then Oof. he was gone and Tyler Ott came in and we were like, Oh yeah, that's what it's like. Uh, <laughs> I crystal right. has a chance. I still expect them to, to um, re-sign one of the two guys they had last year, their Tinker or, or Ott just to create a competition. And, right, and, I agree. And in case stole, like, you know, either gets hurt or, or has some struggles. Um, but honestly, at this point, I think crystal is, is the long snapper. Uh, on the roster and he's going to make the team looks like um i think the one the 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 whole out of all the people the the guy that i was i'm most intrigued about when they uh, go in for um rookie mini camp is going to be holton allers he's a quarterback out of east carolina um he is huge he is like ben roth 230 pounds yeah he's a viking he's he's like literally a viking and not and not a not a Minnesota not a, not Viking, a team mascot. Yeah, but a, a Norwegian, mascot. you know, royalty uh, heritage, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah. Left-handed, uh, f- fun prospect. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting about this guy. There's there's a few guys like this in the NFL every year, and you know, he's he's the quote unquote 14th ranked quarterback prospect coming to come into the, the the draft cycle this this season. Went undrafted, um, so he was kind of a priority guy. He was one of the guys out there that a lot of teams were uh, looking to add. Comes to the Seahawks. Threw for thirty seven hundred yards last year, completed sixty seven percent of his passes. But it's the way that he went about doing it. Um, he he drops things in uh, to small windows. He creates um, opportunities with his legs. He had another one hundred eighty six yards and six touchdowns as a rusher. Um, you know, and and when you watch his tape, it looks like he might be able to kind of stick around a little bit in the league. And I don't know if it's going to be with Seattle, but it it I think that he's he's got a chance at least maybe to make their practice squad this year. Yeah. I think of him as a practice squad. I just, I'm, I'm just intrigued. He is big. 
he's fairly accurate. I mean, he puts some balls into some really yeah. tiny windows yeah. down the field. Yeah. He's also the got the throw. longest yeah. release of any quarterback since Tim Tebow. Yeah. He is a, that whole big, like you know, Tomahawk all the way up. around. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's not pretty. Um, but you know what, whatever, they can, they, you know what, he's got enough, um, of, of the, the, the things that he does, right. I think they can work with him on that and kind of quick. Yeah. If you, if you can help, if you can have him improve his, his throwing mechanics just a little bit, so it doesn't take him forever to get the ball out of his hands. He does a lot of other things really well, um, for an undrafted guy at quarterback. Like there's some things to like there. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the one of the players he threw to constantly was C.J. Johnson um, at, at Eastern Carolina, and uh, C.J. followed him from high school. They were high school teammates. Came up to uh, uh, to college and and played ball there. Six two, two hundred twenty two pounds. When you watch film of uh, Allers throwing the ball, there was one guy that stood out all the time, and that was C.J. Johnson catching the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Sixty seven catches, over a thousand yards, receiving ten touchdowns this past year. He's just a, he's not a speedster. I think he runs like a four five two, something like that. Mm-mm. So just outside the four, four range, which Seattle likes, but he's a bigger guy, six two, two hundred twenty two 222 pounds. That's and he the part. plays with every part of that weight and height mm-hmm. to his advantage. So he's so a good ball guy. Yep. So yep. good at boxing guys out yes. Yes. and catching the ball through contact, um, over the middle and like on slants with the, with the linebacker draped all over him, he'll catch it anyway. Um, why did he not get drafted? Is it just East Carolina? Yeah, I think that he disappointed at the combine with the with his uh, times and uh, agility and just fell out of favor. Yeah, it's like know. the guy the um the the guy from Army the the. Uh, edge rusher that at one point people were talking as a, as a second mm-hmm. or third round pick um came into the combine and just was terrible and then didn't get drafted went completely undrafted can you believe that yeah yeah right the other guy i was thinking about in this list was griffin herbert uh the tight end out of louisiana tech super athletic patch pass catching tight end uh similar in size actually to cj johnson um and so it'd be it, it, interesting to see if um what they do with those kind of prospects. Um, I would imagine CJ Johnson does enough in minicamp. He'll be invited back uh, into, into training camp and so forth. There's a lot of names. The Seahawks had 52 or 53 players under contract prior to the draft. So this was always going to be their largest undrafted rookie free agent class. And it is, there's 22, 23 prospects that they've invited in. Plus they've invited uh, minicamp invites to another half dozen players as well including mm-hmm. Jack Cohen, the quarterback, used to be at Notre Dame, played a few years, uh, played one season, I think, as an undrafted guy in the league and bounced around a little bit and ended up playing XFL football. Um, it's, you know, getting into the NFL is hard. So being it invited is. into these camps is really exciting for these players. It gives them an opportunity to come in. Seattle's really going to be looking. Obviously, uh, you know, we've got enough guys signed uh, that look like they're going to make our roster, but there are a few couple uh, openings we mentioned long snapper look at the defensive tackle class it's not deep in, on this roster there's an opportunity for possibly a defensive tackle there's like four or five of them in this undrafted class that are uh, do you have a favorite in. of the defensive linemen that they uh, the defensive tackles that they um yeah, signed? i wrote it down actually let me see if i can find it really quick because i have one it's um jonah tavai the defensive mm-hmm. lineman of yeah, san he's, diego he's, state he's one of those guys yeah for sure. um i he's a little undersized 
he's like um, 100 or 280 pounds, and you'd like him to be at 300 if he's going to be that three tech. But he plays with so much energy, and he's his hands and his arms are so active. He works really hard to get lineman's hands off of him so he can continue to move forward. Um, just a wrecking ball of energy. And I like guys like that. I think he has a chance to um, carve out a role. Um, yeah. And I don't really know the other guys. I, mean, I know that Robert Cooper at Florida State, and you think, well, it's a big school. I should know him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know him. So, like, uh, okay, um, we'll go with that. But um, <laughs> right. the other yeah. guy that was no, really interesting no, that, to me was... seems to point to Robert Cooper. Yeah, there's that one, too. Um the other guy that was really interesting to me was Jake Bobo, the wide receiver out of UCLA. The guy is six five, mm-hmm. just absolutely like super tall. Doesn't run great, like four six. I mean, he's not not particularly fast. Um, kind of thin for a guy being six five, but he's even though he's like two twenty, <laughs> he looks skinny because he's six five. Um, and there's a lot of talk about him putting on, you know, yeah, no, 20 he, pounds over the next couple of years and becoming a tight end. Yeah. No, he led UCLA in catches and yards and receiving touchdowns in 2022. <coughs> Excuse me. Before he got hurt. <coughs> surgery and uh, missed the rest mm-hmm. of the season. But um, he was on track to be very, very productive for them. Uh, and I know that they liked him a lot. The other guy, the other defensive tackle I really like, and I'm having a hard time pronouncing his name, is the Fenia, uh Maje um, from Rutgers, 6'2", 290 pounds. He's undersized, but they'd, they'd beef him up a little bit. Um, but but he's really got a wide base, low center of gravity, compact build, high effort, thick motor defender kind of guy um, that plays with good leverage. Um, he's, you know, based on the fact that Seattle's so light at defensive tackle, um, it's guys like this that, that really do have a chance to kind of come on to the ro- back end of the roster and stick around or at least be practice squad guys on a shadow roster that, that they keep around all year because mm-hmm. it's really not it's not going to be a good situation for Seattle unless they build, bring in a couple of veterans. Yeah, there's no guys out of this, this um, undrafted free agent list that I look at and think, oh, that's uh, Puna Ford. He's making the roster. Because when Puna went undrafted, I, you'll remember this yeah, because right, we were, right. I was Everyone thought he was going to go in the third or fourth round. I was shocked. I was like, how the hell did this guy not go get drafted? And then the CX signed him. I was like, oh, great. Yeah, at least they, they at least CX were able to get him after the draft. And what has he done? He's been like a four year starter yeah. at nose tackle. Um, yeah. Made some big I, money on a second contract. Yeah. yeah, he did. Like, great for him. And, but at the same time, like, if you watch his tape, yeah, I get he's 5'11", but who cares? Um, you watch his tape, you saw a dominant player. Why did he go undrafted? And that made no sense to yeah. me. Um, yeah, I just don't... None of these guys I, that I see here are guys that I'm like, there you go. That's that's the guy. I'll have I, to spend a little bit more time with the list. I've, I've only researched about 10 guys, to be completely honest. And we've talked about a few of those uh, in, in tonight's show. I like Christian Young, the safety out of Arizona, um, as a bigger, uh, strong safety type. Um, that'd be interesting to see if he can somehow manage to, to sneak onto a roster. Um, there's some undersized corners in, in this class. Uh, there's a couple linebackers that eh, I just don't know. You know, if I like them, I think that Jordan Ferguson, the edge on uh, Middle Tennessee, 
uh, they'll, they'll have a good look for him. Um, yeah, I didn't see any, anybody else I was really intrigued by. Jake Bobo, you mentioned. Noah Griff, uh, Grindorf, the tight end out of North Dakota State. Strictly an inline blocker uh, tight end um, option. Josh Moat, offensive tackle, Louisiana Tech. I think they like him, but might move it in, move inside. Well, and a guy like Cam Bright, um, the linebacker out of Washington, is like a carbon copy of um, Ben Burkirvan, who was a linebacker out of Washington, undersized, never made an impact on the defense, right. but kept himself on the roster until last year when he got hurt um, by being a productive special teamer. Yeah, Cam Bright's got a chance to make the roster for that. Interesting. All right. I don't know what we're doing next. We literally don't have any shows planned after this one on our uh, schedule. Our schedule ended uh, tonight. And so we're going to have to come up with some, some content, Keith. We we're here uh, 365 days a year. We'll do two or three shows a week. So we will have content for you, but um, I want, I want to go through my shadow draft where I picked every time the Seahawks made a pick, I wrote down who I would have picked at that same time. You don't have to worry about trades. Don't worry about that. It's who is available at that spot during the pick, and then you have to go um, based on that pick. Um, you know, you, down down you go. So you're not going to be like, oh, I would pick this player. Um, well, I've already drafted three linebackers. You know what I mean? Like you you can't do that. It's not based on Seattle's picks. It's based on your own at that same spot. Um, I want to go yeah, through let's that. Do that. I want you to laugh at me. I want the the um, our audience to be able to laugh at me. Um, I I want everyone to know I can be critical about these drafts and all of that, but there's there's no ego here. Go through the shadow draft with me. You will understand. Um, I have no no disbelief that I belong in an NFL front <laughs> office. Uh, I have my opinions. I study. I do my best. But when you go through my, my drafts, I'm always there's always a guy that I draft like in the fifth round that went undrafted, and I'm like, oh god. Terrible. Um, and uh, right, it's yep. it's fun. It's funny. Feel free to laugh at me. I'm all for it. So let's do that. Cool. Yeah, let's do it for sure. All right, let's get out of here to, uh, today. I think we've wrapped up this um, this draft class uh, really well. And as we move through uh, the process uh, into June, and we really get into the doldrums of summer, uh, and uh, we'll we'll need to be uh, creative with our shows. But to hang with us, we're around all summer. Uh, to keep you guys company out there that needs Seahawk uh, chatter and discussion all year round. And then uh, we'll be ready for um, training camp at the back end of July. So find Keith on Twitter at Myers NFL. You can find me at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook, seahawksplaybook.com. As your, uh, uh, it's a great resource for you for all the shows. And then um, you can find the show on uh, YouTube. We've got our own YouTube channel as well as uh, your favorite podcast platforms, just hit that subscribe button. That'd be great. So until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com.
Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.